Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagambigan Personal Organization, and I'm so excited to talk to all of you today. I know I'm a little late this week, so I apologize. Anyway, I got a phone call about, instead of talking for Pesach, what if I talk about Purim for a little bit? And I would love to talk about Purim a little bit. I'll also answer a few of your questions this week. The main thing for me about Purim is that we have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of waste on Purim. And not just a pro- it's not just a problem from the Baltashrit aspect of things, but it's also a problem from the preparation for Pesach aspect of things because, well, <laughs> it's hard to prepare for Pesach when you just got an increase of junk food in your house, right? Um, and your kids want to eat it all over the house. Uh, most of it I send to the office with my husband. So this year, I know it's just a week away, and maybe some of you have already um, managed your themes for Purim, but uh, I hope that some of you will consider um, toning down the Mishloch Manot, giving less Mishloch Manot to fewer people and increasing staka instead of Mishloch Manot because what I see so much with Mishloch Manot is that it's so much waste. Everything's wrapped in plastic. Everything, um, most of it is not healthy for you. And, you know, our kids are like, you know, searching through, looking for the best candy. And, you know, then they don't eat the suda with us. And really, you're supposed to have two brachot in the Mishloch Manot. And I think you're also supposed to have things that you're supposed to eat or that you're going to eat at this suda. So I think it's important to remember, like, the point of the mitzvah is not just to give to as many people as possible and make it as fancy as possible and, you know, try to outdo the Kohens. That's really not the point of Mishloch Manot. The point of Mishloch Manot is to increase joy on Purim. And I think also something that you should consider is that you don't have to feel bad just because someone gives you Mishloch Manot and you don't reciprocate. So if you give Mishloch Manot to, like I give to the three neighbors in my building who are Chilonim, who are not religious, and I know that they probably won't get Mishloch Manot from anybody else. And most of the other people who bring me Mishloch Manot anyways come to my Suda because I have a huge Suda every year. And so um, that's a feast. And um, so I... I don't feel the need to give to people who are already coming to my meal because what's the point? They're eating the meal with me. And I also want to enhance the joy for people who wouldn't normally celebrate Purim. The people who celebrate Purim don't, you know, necessarily need your Mishloch Manot or not insulted if you don't give it and they just feel um, an obligation to reciprocate with their Mishloch Manot. So when someone comes to the door and brings me Mishloch Manot, I leave out a plate of hanantashen and and some glasses and some drinks and I offer everybody who comes into my door a little bit of nash and something to drink and it's enough it, it can be enough and we don't have to give back we can also receive thankfully with an open heart you know without it being something that we need to give back in return and I think that that is important aspect both from the waste aspect but also from the organization aspect and the budgeting aspect of things, because how much money do you spend on Mishloch Manot? 
I'm guessing mm, a lot of you spend a couple hundred dollars on Mishloch Manot, and that seems like a lot of money to spend on Mishloch Manot for people who don't really want the candy and junk food anyways. So why not just make a few better, cheaper, nicer, healthier Mishloch Manot and give the rest of the money you are going to spend on Mishloch Manot to staka or increase your Matanot Levionim and... Um, and give to the people who really can really benefit from the gifts that you know you have to offer people. And I think that we get so excited about about giving Mishloch Manot, but I definitely think it's something that we overdo a lot. So this year, I'm going to give to my regular three um, neighbors who I know are not getting Mishloch Manot from anybody else. And I told my kids they could each give to one friend so that they could all, you know, uh, anyways, I have three kids, so I always give each one a bag and tell them to deliver it to the, each neighbor, so it's nice that they, they each get one. But they also decided that they wanted to give to their friends, and I told them that that was okay. Um, so, but I said to them, you know, it's like, it's within reason, you know, we can't give to every single person in your class. That's wasteful. We don't, they don't need it. We don't need it. You know, so you just pick one special friend and give it to them, and that's okay, and that's enough. And I think that that's really, really important to remember. And I think also what's important to remember is that a lot of times what we package our Mishloch Manot in is wasteful. And it's really, really important to remember, especially at this time of the year, that um, Mishloch Manot, while it's a mitzvah and you should totally do it, doesn't need to violate the mitzvah of Baal Tashchit. <laughs> so I think that there's a lot of aspects in our lives where we justify the waste. Um, you know, it's easier for us to use to use chad pami, single-use disposables. It's easier for us to use, um, you know, plastic fork or aluminum foil or paper plates. And that's okay, I think, in a lot of situations where it is sometimes easier and there is no better alternative. But in the situation with Mishloch Manot, I think there are alternatives. And I think that this is a really good time to practice not violating um, Baal Tashchit because there's, there, it, it's, a, it's hard. I definitely think it's hard. You know, you want to wrap the package of food in something. But let's think of something that's reusable or lower waste or because now's the great a great time to actually put in practice this mitzvah. And I think that there's really creative ways you could do it. I mean, when I when when we lived in America, um, I definitely gave um, I only gave a few Mishloch Manot also. And I used to just give to like two or three people and I used to buy like a bowl or a dish or something and I would put put everything on the bowl or the dish and either put it in a reusable bag or something that wasn't just like or I would wrap it like in a towel um, like a, a kitchen towel and you know then it's something useful for the person who's receiving it in addition to the gift of Mishloch Manot sure it costs a little more but if you're giving fewer Mishloch Manot anyways 
then it's okay. You could afford to spend a little bit more on something that's not single use and and give give to the ones who you really want to give to and make it be beautiful. And it doesn't have to be full of garbage. And when I say garbage, I mean um, things that are going in the trash. And I and I'm, I don't mean the food, but like I'm talking about the packaging of it. Like I always give a, um, a challah, some fruit, um, some harantashin, and um, and what else do we usually give? Oh, a bottle of wine, like a small bottle of wine. And that's enough. It totally fulfills the mitzvah. And I, I give like whole fruit usually, so that's not a problem. And I put it in a reusable shopping bag. So everybody has a bag that they can now use. And the fruit is whole. And the, um, the hamantash and the challah, I wrap in um, parchment paper. And this way, the person can recycle the paper because there's no like food residue on it, so it's easy to put into the paper recycling bin, and it's good. Like I put it in, all of it into a reusable bag, and the person re I see right neighbor is using the reusable bag. So like, I think that we can really, really, really take this opportunity to um, reduce our waste on Purim and. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other related mitzvot to Purim, I mean, that are really, well, I don't, I don't think there's any, maybe you can think of some, but um, I think that really, ladies, it's worthwhile to spend a little less on Mishloch Manot and spend a little more on Matanot Le'avionim, um, gifts for the poor, because really, our friends, most of our friends don't need our gifts. Or focus your mishloch manot to people who really need it and people who aren't really going to get a lot. I mean, I'm sure there are people in your community who won't be getting mishloch manot. Let's take that this time to really recognize those people and include those people in, um, in our Purim mitzvah. Okay, so... Um, I want to just share a few more thing, a few phone calls that I got this week, or actually these are from last week. Um, I'm a little bit behind on phone calls, but um, I'll catch up. I always do. Um, okay, so a lady called me and said she sells Shackley's in Monroe, and her phone number, she didn't leave her name though, her phone number is 845-782-3089. That's 845-782-3089. She said that spring cleaning versus Pesach cleaning, for in that battle of spring cleaning versus Pesach cleaning, she has a date that she spring cleans until, and then she does Pesach. And she told me a story about her windows having chametz before Pesach. And, you know, everybody knows, I think I did this last week, everybody knows their own homes and in general windows are not an issue but if you have a place in your home where there's a known problem definitely um check it out and you know or double check it um okay a lady called me and said don't say her name but she told me she's experiencing a shift in mindset because she is saying Hashem is keeping me organized she's been able to stay calm and feel like she has what she needs she uses the money she saved from Chad Pami, from single-use disposable, 
to upgrade her phone and to get caller ID, which is something she really wanted. So that's a really, really good um, way to apply the savings. Think about the savings you'll save from not using Cloud Pummy and using the money to buy something you want, budgeting the money for something else. Kola Kavod, really good job. Um, she wanted to know, what do I do about kids' dishes? So I actually used the plastic reusable plates from Ikea, and they have forks and spoons, but also places like Bye Bye Baby and Target have great selections of kids' cutlery that's not plastic. A lot of it's silicone, um, and a lot of it is... Um, well, it's silicone. Some of it is plastic. Some of it has m is metal ends with plastic handles or silicone handles. Um, and also, um, there are melanine plate melamine plates, and those are actually a good alternative for kids too. Um, they they do break, um, but it takes a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of effort to break them. And um, yeah, that's what we always used. I mean, we were using the IKEA plates way before we were zero waste and uh, the plastic ones. And I just, I mean, I kept using them because I knew that eventually we would just put them in the recycling bin. And that's what I did. And by the time I did that, they were really ready to transition to regular plates. And it was fine. And I think also um, a lot of times we worry about our kids using like real regular plates, but I think it's a really good opportunity to teach our kids to have respect for objects. And a lot of kids don't have respect for objects. And so I understand the temptation to give them plastic. Um, but I think it's something that it's our job as parents to teach our kids to have this relationship with stuff where we take care of the stuff that we have. And yeah. That's what I think, so, <laughs> um, okay. She also asked me, what are specific pieces of furniture used for? A dresser, an armoire, etc." Well, here's the thing. Furniture can be used for whatever you want it to be used for, whatever is best for you. So, for example, we have a fireplace in our house, and the flue is damaged, and frankly, we live in Israel. I don't really know that many people who have fireplaces. I doubt... The chimney has been cleaned in, I don't know, since it's been built, and I don't even know where to find a chimney sweeper. So we don't use our fireplace at all. And um, I use it to <laughs> store my sewing supplies, actually. But the point is, is just because you have something that's intended for one use doesn't mean that you need to use it for that. I mean, I have clients who don't have closets, but they have bookshelves, and they store their clothing on bookshelves in baskets. That's what they have, that's what they, that's what they use. I think that that's an important um, aspect to not only organization but also zero waste is that using what you have is always a better alternative than going out and buying new things because going out and buying new things, while it's nice and it feels good and gives us adrenaline and dopamine, um, and you know, activates the dopamine receptors in our brains. It's it's not good for our pocketbooks. It's not necessarily good for our our spaces, and it's not good for the environment to buy new things. So if you have something already that you can already repurpose, then great, do it. A dresser, you know, is more for um, clothing, um, and an armoire is usually, I mean. A lot, I mean, an armor, it depends on the armor. A lot of armors are designed for 
for holding like dishes. Some of them are designed for holding television. Some of them are designed for holding clothing. It really depends on the design of the furniture, but really you should adapt it to however works best for you. And don't be afraid, especially if it's a good piece of furniture, to call a carpenter and get it reworked to do something you need it to do. So for example, if, if it's a big open space on the top of the armoire and you prefer to have shelves or drawers, call a carpenter and have them come in and put shelves or drawers in. It's worth it if the piece is beautiful and you love it and you know it's not working for you. Um, she also told me that she's having a bit of trouble organizing and dedicating time, making a time um, to actually organize <coughs> excuse me, and get it done and be responsible to get it done. Um, I think that, I know I already told this lady to make an accountability partner with her husband, um, but if it's not working with your husband, then in addition to your husband, also get a friend to be your accountability partner because, um, I don't know, I think there's a little bit more competition with friends, so <laughs> get a friend who also needs to declutter and, or organize in general, and um, ask them to help you and make weekly goals for yourself. So I think that that could also be an issue of why it didn't work with your husband is because you need to make weekly goals and stick to those goals because if you have nothing on, like I have an accountability partner for my business. Every week we have goals. Some weeks we don't get to our goals, but I have to report to her and it's embarrassing when I don't get to the goals. Or I tell her what happened or why I didn't get to it. And then we regroup and we pick new goals and we start again. But I think also when you're you know, deciding about why you haven't met the goals, you have to think about what's holding you back from not reaching your goals. Am I missing a tool or you know, am I, Am I not understanding a step in the process? So take a step back, break the task down, like how we talked about brushing your teeth, you know, where you learn how to, or you figure out all the steps. You go, you turn the, in Israel, you turn the light on first, and then you go into the bathroom, you know, you open the door, and you go into the bathroom, and you take out your toothbrush, and you run it, you turn on the water, and you run it under the water, and you turn off the water, and you open the toothpaste cap, and then you squeeze the toothpaste on, and then you put the cap back on, and then you rinse the toothbrush a little again, and then you brush, 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 and then, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Break down the task you need to do and figure out the area of what's holding you back. So listen, we all procrastinate. We're all lazy sometimes. It, it happens. There's always, it's not just laziness. It's also things come up and things happen, and we don't always have time to get to the things that are a little bit lower on the priority list. And maybe if it's low on the priority list, it's worth taking off the list and focusing your attention on something else so that you're not feeling super bad about not getting it done. Um, okay, a lady left me a story. Now, I didn't get all the details to the story, but I really like the point of where she was going with the story. So if I get some of the details wrong, I apologize. You can call me back and let me know. You also didn't leave your name. Um, but it's a story about hoarding with some chizuk, with some, you know... I don't know. What's a good word to translate chizuk? Uh, motivation, maybe? Um, she said, a poor man lived in a hut with his family, 10 kids. His income came from his dairy cow, and his Rebbe came and was surprised at his state. And so he told his Gabbai to push this man's cow off a cliff. 
But after a few months, the Gabi was feeling really, really bad about, you know, doing this, and he couldn't make peace with himself. So he went to see the poor man, and he was shocked to see that he now didn't live in a shack. He lived in a beautiful brick house. And now, instead of the one dairy cow, cow he had a small farm. And when the Gabi asked him what happened, he said, well, my cow died, and I had to seek some new source of income. And now I did, and I went out, and I changed what I had to do, and I moved past the situation from where I was. And now I'm very, very wealthy, because now I got a new job that pays me so much better than what I was earning from just my dairy cow, and I can provide for my family much better. And she said that this was directed at the lady who wanted to store the hand-me-downs. She said, the hand-me-downs may actually be holding you back because you're not allowing yourself to have new things. And this is something that I always say. And so even though I'm sure I got part of the story wrong, um, <coughs> excuse me, even though I'm sure I still got part of the story wrong, um, I definitely think that the parable is true. When we're holding on to things that aren't in use, we are actually allowing ourselves to say to Hashem, um, you know, we don't want the gifts that you're offering us because, you know, we don't have space for them. So thank you. No, thank you. And I think that that's something we really need to consider. Um, I'll tell you that yesterday I had a client and she very much wants to have a baby and they're trying very, very hard. And she said to me, I actually was surprised. She didn't really have a lot of stuff. And a lot of the clutter in her house was her husband's actually, not hers. And she said that, you know, she didn't, she didn't want to get rid of all of the baby clothes that she already had. And I said to her, well, most likely, she has a little boy, I said, most likely, you'll probably have a girl and it will be the totally wrong season. So even the clothes that are unisex won't, won't work for you because, you know, it will be too, too hot or too cold for them. And, and if you have somebody to pass them on to now, then pass them on. And she agreed and she passed on a lot of them. So only time will tell if it's freed up enough space for her to actually accept this new baby into her life when Hashem grants it to her. But I also want to say this, is that a lot of times the negative voice in our head is saying to us, if we have another baby, or if, you know, X, Y, or Z. I think we need to change the conversations in our head if we want something to when. It's like saying Hashem keeps me organized. I believe that. I believe Hashem or karma or the universe or whoever you believe in um, is fine. <laughs> I believe in Hashem, but whatever you believe in is fine with me. Um, but the point is, is that when you say it is coming to me, and I don't, I don't necessarily know that it's something like related to, I just think when you say, so I'll, I'll correct that statement. When, when you say, it is coming to me, you sort of have this power, if you will, to will it to yourself. And I think that that's important to remember that we have power over what happens to us. We're not in control, 
but we can choose how we respond to things. So if we want to believe something, I don't necessarily think it's naive or silly to believe that we can have, that Hashem can give us another baby if we want one. I mean, we have to first recognize that we have no control over the situation, which is true. We have no control over the situation. We can do our best, but we don't have any control. And when we are able to step back and say, this is not, you know, in our control anymore, and we can, you know, let Hashem be the one who's in charge of it, it's a lot easier for us to manage the results of whatever happens. So that's why I always say, say to yourself as a mantra, Hashem keeps me organized, because when you step back from it and remember that it's not really you, um, it's a lot easier to accept however things come out. So like, listen, everybody thinks that I'm super organized and I am organized, but sometimes things stress me out. <laughs> you know, things like when it takes me several hours longer to do something than I thought it would. Uh, <laughs> like yesterday, I um, came home from Jerusalem and the, I forgot that the trains weren't running and so the traffic was a lot worse and it took me a lot longer to get home than it should have taken me to get home at an hour when it shouldn't have taken me so long to get home in the first place. And the point is, is that it was out of my control. So I turned on my podcast and I listened to um, the podcast that I listen to, for those of you who want to know what they are, I love Jewish Latin Princess. Yeah, Elle is an amazing, amazing, has an amazing podcast. Um, so I was listening to that and I was listening to a business um, podcast that I like to listen to. And I took that time and said, okay, Lono Ra, my husband's with my kids. It's not terrible. My husband's with my kids and he's home today. So he's dealing with it and I'm sitting here and I'm learning something new. So, and I can feel okay with that, even though, you know, I had plans and, you know, it wasn't really how I wanted to be spending my time. But I think when we can say to ourselves, like, it's not in my control, everything happens for the best, Hashem is in control, and He's doing what needs to be done for me, then it's a lot easier to cope with the situation. So, if organization is a problem for you, think about what you're holding on to. Um, and decide, is it really helping me be the best person I can be? Is it really helping me, um, you know, getting me to my goals? Is it really helping me, allowing me to, you know, receive new gifts? I think if you really look hard at objects, you'll find that the reason that you're holding on to them is worry, because you're worried that you might need it. It's sentimental that it was important to you at some point. But the thing is, is that those things, if you're not using them, are holding you back. And not only that, but you're preventing somebody else from having them and getting use out of them. And so, uh, you know, what's the point? I'll tell you, I think I've told you this before. I have a set of teacups that I like and they're cool, but... You know, and I use them, but it means that I have a whole nother set of teacups from my matching china that I never ever use. And I told you that last week I made Sheva Brachot for 30 people and I didn't use any Chad Pami, any single use disposable items. And 
I didn't. <laughs> and it was amazing. And everybody helped me wash the dishes. At the end, I still had a little bit that I had to do myself. But I don't know if I've told you this before. I actually have a, di a switch on my dishwasher that has a Shabbos mode. So we load up the dishwasher Friday night. We set it before Shabbos. We just close the door. The switch turns off all of the buttons and then it goes on like randomly. So um, the dishwasher ran and, you know, Friday, I mean, Shabbos, after Shabbos, we loaded it again with the rest of the stuff and we didn't wash it. And so it sat there a little bit over Shabbos. It wasn't terrible. And whatever we needed for immediately, we washed and, and reused and that was fine. And it was great having, I, I had to borrow some things to, um, to have for, for that amount of people and that was fine. And everybody was glad to participate. And the other thing that was really amazing was that I only made four dishes. I only made chicken, meat, sweet potatoes, and regular potatoes. And everybody else who came brought one dish, and it was so great because I didn't have to make anything else. There was enough food for everybody. Everybody was happy and satisfied, and everybody contributed, and I took a lot off my plate. And so it was a great, great experience, and I highly recommend saying to people who are coming to your house, hey, can you bring one thing with you and, you know, really – allowing people to help you because there's really no reason we have to do it all of ourselves it doesn't make us feel better to to do it all of ourselves and everybody wants to participate and contribute so let them participate and contribute anyway so i have these teacups and the chatan and the kala the bride and the groom were here at my house and we were using the teacups friday night and i was like yeah you know i have these teacups but because i have these teacups I feel like it's chaval not to use them. It's a shame not to use them. And, you know, I don't use the ones from my regular China. In fact, we've been married for almost 16 years and I've never used them. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And so I said, hey, do you want these cups? And he was like, yes, we totally want them. He's like, well, I have to ask my, my new wife first. I have to get used to saying that. But they wanted them because, you know, here in Israel, it's like more of a specialty thing to have China and they really like them. And they came and took half of them um, this week. They're going to take the other half next week. And like, can I just tell you the amount of relief I feel from not having these pieces of China anymore? Now, I did feel like a little bit sad. They were sentimental a little bit and we've had them for a while. But honestly... I know that the people who are going to have them are going to love them and take care of them. And and it makes me happy that I'm making somebody else happy. And I don't necessarily need them. I have other things that will do the job just as well. And so, honestly, I'm really, really happy when I think about it that they're gone. And I'm sitting here um, in my <laughs> dining room looking at the cabinet on the shelf where they're on and half of them are gone. And, I'm, and I feel fine. And I'm actually getting really excited for all of them to be gone so that I can put out the rest of my matching set. <laughs> and I'm like getting excited. How will I stack the cups in the closet? How will it look? And I'm imagining it and it's really getting me excited and it's going to free up space in my other cabinet that will make it much easier to get into now. And these will look so pretty. And I sit on the side of the table that I can look at them <laughs> and like, I like to look at them. I think they're beautiful. And I'm, I'm getting really excited about it. So think about it. Yes, it might be a little bit sad to let something go. But think about the joy you're giving to somebody else and, 
and the benefit that you're going to have from having less the the space the the you know the feeling of being able to use something you already have more effectively i think that it's just going to make a huge difference for you so um don't be afraid to let go of the things that you are not using and that you can give to people that will benefit other people. Okay. Gitty called and says, thank you. She loves listening. Last year was the first year she made Pesach and last year she listened and she kept all of her receipts in an envelope, like I said, and she kept an inventory list of what she had and what she needed and how much she used. And she said, we should do it with a smile. I think that that's a great thing. We should clean for Pesach with a smile. And we should prepare for Purim with a smile because we have to do it anyways. We might as well be happy. And, you know, in Adar, in the month of Adar, it's anyways a mitzvah to be happy. And I heard this really nice thing that actually I heard um, Yael Trush say, which she's the, um, she's the lady who does Jewish Latin Princess. Um, she said... In Adar, you're supposed to increase your happiness. But here's the thing. By using the word increase and not just say, in Adar, you're supposed to be happy, it implies that you're already happy. So, so I think that that's an important thing to remember is that we're increasing our joy in Adar and we should do things, more things, with a smile. And it really does make a difference about how people approach us and how... Um, people are working with us and how we deal with ourselves when we approach things with a smile. So great. Thank you for sharing, Gitti. I, I appreciate it. Um, okay, let's see. Esty said an interesting thing happened to her. She said she thinks Hashem is communicating with her because she found her New York City sanitation stickers for how to do trash in her house. <laughs> She said a man came to her husband's kolel and taught them about recycling and zero waste. And if not for what he had been learning in his, uh, in his private learning in um, Sefer Achinoch, that he wouldn't have been paying attention to the man at all, that he would have just said, oh, this is silly, whatever. But, <coughs> excuse me, I'm still a little sick. It's been a few weeks. Um, she, she was just so enthusiastic, and she said even in her complex, um, they don't have all the New York City recycling options unless she schleps the stuff. So here's the thing. I, in Haifa, where I live, um, they rolled out a recycling program of orange bins. Now, this is a countrywide initiative to recycle. Um, it's mixed recycling. It's metal. It's some packaging, plastic. Um, but it's not glass. Glass is separate. And um, they rolled it out in Haifa, but not in my neighborhood. In the neighborhood next to mine, which is about two blocks from my house. So I keep a bag on my kitchen door, and I put all the things that I want to recycle for the orange bin in a pink bag, because that's what I had, and pink is close to orange, right? And the blue bag is for the glass recycling, which is a purple container. So um, I take the, when I walk, over to, um, actually, uh, when I go to the gym, <laughs> there's an orange bin right in front of the gym. So every time I go to the gym, I take my recycling <laughs> with me when I walk over to the gym, and I dump the recycling into the bin. And the thing is, is because I've reduced what I use by a lot anyways, there isn't so much recycling in my house 
in general because we just try to reduce what we're using. So there's less to recycle because there's just less in use. So it's not a big deal for me to do that. But like, is it a big deal for you to walk down the street? You, if you, you said it's not in your complex, but you know, it's down the street for you. So, you know, make it a thing with your kids. I think your kids will get more excited about recycling if they're doing it with you and teaching them that it's good for the environment and it's really, really important and getting kids involved in anything is important to their success for doing things that you want them to do later on in life. So if Baltashrit is an important mitzvah to you, um, then get your kids involved with understanding it. And it's funny because somebody asked my daughter if if she would be more interested in taking a bath if she had bubble bath and she had a straw where she could blow bubbles in it. And my daughter said yes, but that I wouldn't allow her to have a straw. And, and I said to her, you know, I don't allow you to have plastic straws, but I have reusable metal straws that if you wanted to use in the bathtub, you could use. Now, my daughter's nine, and so it's not a big deal for her to have a metal straw. I wouldn't recommend it necessarily for smaller kids, but there are silicone straws or there are even plastic reusable straws that are better for the environment than, you know, those disposable straws or even a paper straw would be better. Um you know, to use than a plastic straw, because at least the, the paper will buy a degrade after a while. Um, but so here's the thing. So I said to her, I was like, listen, you can have a straw. We can find a zero waste option for what you want to do. And it will end up saving us money because a package of straws anyways costs like $4, but a reusable straw costs like 99 cents. So <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's not such a big deal to find an alternative, and you can, and if it's important to, your, to you, you should teach it to your children. Now, if it's also an issue that you want to recycle in your building and they don't do that, then call the city and ask them to start initiating recycling in your building. Use less in general. Um, consider the packaging that you are buying so that you have less to recycle, and um, I, I don't know. I wrote a note to myself, but now I don't understand what I wrote. Um, and also, you mentioned something about composting. What I want to remind you is, unless you're using a municipal compost, you cannot compost animal products in a home composter, which is why I still have some trash. Oh, the, the question was, why do I still have a bag of trash every week? And that's because... Um, we have animal byproduct waste that we can't recycle and also the packaging that the um, animals, yeah, the animals, the meat comes in <laughs> is also not recyclable. So I'll tell you that I have decided that eating meat is a trade-off for us. Um, none of the packaging in the grocery store is acceptable. It's all plastic and styrofoam and you can't recycle any of that. But where I do buy my meat is from somebody called Artseno, and they're based out of Svat, and I know the Shochet, and Yoshua is amazing. And what I know is that he takes a lot of pride in how the animals are raised, and they're raised ethically, and they're raised locally. A lot of the meat in Israel is imported, and that has a humongous, humongous carbon footprint. That means that um, it takes a lot of fuel um, and energy to transport the meat from either the United States or Argentina, uh, or sometimes it comes from Europe to Israel. 
and all the meat that I buy from Artsenu is sourced locally. So yes, there is some packaging involved, but the carbon footprint of the meat that I'm eating is a lot less. And so therefore, it's better on the environment. Now I'm still producing trash, but you know, you have to weigh the value of the trash. Like how much is is X trash costing me over Y trash in terms of like what is the global effect of of what I'm buying? Now I know that that sounds like it's a lot to consider, but if you actually think about it, it's the same as considering like um, a hechsher on uh, a supervision on a kosher product. Some people don't eat X supervision because they don't like what they do, you know, in terms of the supervision, and that's fine. And I'm not making a judgment. What I'm saying is, is that let's say um, badats versus mahadran um, or OU versus star k or whoever like ou's practice might be xyz and star k's practice might be abc and you prefer abc over xyz but the point is is it's really important to know what you prefer and so for me in terms of trash what i would prefer is if i'm going to use a product that it has a much lower carbon footprint and and all things being equal, like they, they produce the same amount of waste. So if I buy chicken from the grocery store, if I buy chicken from Yoshua, from Artsenu, like there's the same amount of packaging in them either way. So I might as well choose the chicken that's raised more healthily and, and locally than the chicken that's raised farther away with more antibiotics. So I think, and I think this is something that we fail to think about with food in general is that we don't think about sort of where the food comes from. And, you know, I was always, let's eat blueberries in, you know, December. Well, blueberries are a summer fruit. And if they're, you're eating blueberries in December in the United States, it's because they're coming from another country. And that means they're being shipped from another country. Have you ever noticed how expensive they are? Or strawberries or watermelon. You can get it all the time in the United States. That's true. You can get those things almost all the time. But at what cost? We don't eat locally anymore and we ship all these things to us and they have a huge carbon footprint. And, you know, we need to think about that when we're eating. It not just in terms of health, but also in terms of, or, or even the environment, but also in terms of our wallet. Sure, you could buy strawberries all year long, but it's going to cost you more in the winter. So definitely think about what the difference is um, in those in those situations. Okay, so I just want to ask, Faggy from Lakewood called me and gave me um, uh, a... Pasuk um, from Pirkeavot that had a source in it, but if you could call me back, Feige, please, and give me the specific parak because the message wasn't clear and I didn't hear it, and so if you could please be specific about the source you were talking about, I would really, really appreciate it. Um, <coughs> Feige is also the one who told me, which I did say last week, that um, gluten-free snacks can have oats in them, and so... Um, they are chametz, so don't forget to check the ingredients for um, oats on the chametz. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for talking t or listening to me this week. I I hope that um, the discussion about mishloach manot really will help you make your mishloach manot a little 
less extravagant and more zero waste um, and that it will help you increase your matanot levionim. Um, I wish you all a Shabbat Shalom and I will try my hardest to do a small episode next week um, for Purim uh, or before Purim, not necessarily related to Purim. If you call me now and want to say something about Purim, I'll try to do it before Purim. Anyways, um, I'm wishing you all a Freilichen Purim in case I don't speak to you next week. After that, I will do my best to finish up all of the questions I have here, and there are quite a few. <laughs> um, and we'll continue to talk about Pesach. And so um, keep the questions coming, and I'll do my best to answer them. And I'm looking forward to hearing all of your calls. So again, remember... Hashem keeps me organized always, and especially at this time of the year when it's a little bit stressful. Just take a deep breath. Remember to breathe. That's really important. In and out, slow and steady, and just repeat to yourself, Hashem keeps me organized. Hashem keeps me organized. Shabbat Shalom and Chag Purim Sameach.